1: 902 with Kara and Smallman on 101 ESPN and today's big thing and Michelle I want to reflect on last segment with Albert Pujols because one of the sa- really sad things there are so many sad well people are losing their lives with this pandemic but from our s- stage uh, of the toy store of life one of the really sad things for me is that Albert is missing out on an opportunity to accumulate enough games so that he can move up some more of those all-time lists. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a chance to get to in his last couple of seasons. I if he would have played the the whole time and he won't now, he could have gotten up to maybe even with Stan Musial with 725 doubles uh, in his career. He would have had a chance to an outside chance. Uh, But he would have had a chance to move up and be in the top half dozen of, well, he is in the top half dozen with home runs, 656. But he had an outside chance to get to 700 home runs. And without these probably 60, 70 games that he'll miss, he'll miss out on that. It would be cool, even though it would happen in an Angels uniform, to see Albert climb those lists and be there among the all-time elites so that... People say, okay, when you look at the records and you look at the all-time lists of statistics in baseball, Albert is not only one of the guys that we know is the best, but on every single list, one of the four or five best of all time. And he could have been that guy. Last year, he passed 2,000 RBIs, became only the fourth player, uh, fifth player to get to 2,000 RBIs. And right now he's tied with Cap Anson, and he once again if he would have played those two full seasons he's at 2075 right now babe ruth is second all-time with 2214 could have been second on the all-time rbi list too
2: that's incredible and it is a shame that he's missing out on those opportunities to accumulate those numbers but i can only speak for myself because i know some people still have uh certain types of feelings about albert and the way that he chose to leave st louis but for me, time kind of heals all wounds and the fact that the Cardinals have had success without him and we understand from a rational point of view that him choosing Anaheim was probably better for the Cardinals organization in the long run. After having him come back to St. Louis and and the way that we kind of St. Louis and Albert embraced one another, it makes me feel like he's still ours. Even though he's not wearing a Cardinals uniform, he's still St. Louis's. And so I personally cheer for him and I want him to, to reach those milestones and Even though he's not going to be celebrated physically in St. Louis because of it, we can still celebrate with him.
1: This is a guy that obviously has won a couple of world championships with the Cardinals, played in three World Series. He's won three MVPs. He's got all those rankings on the list that we talked about. And when I talked to him in January and talked about how cool it was when he came back, he said, that was the greatest thing in my career.
2: Greatest thing in his career. Yeah,
1: coming back last year.
2: After all of these things that we have just listed over the past two segments that he's accomplished, that moment was the greatest thing in yeah, his career? that,
1: that wow. weekend.
2: Well, like I said, St. Louis and Albert had a very special and unique relationship. It was one of mutual admiration and, and respect. And when he chose to leave, we will never know all the intricacies that went on behind the scenes. We've heard him speak about it. We've heard the Cardinal stance, and it was a, it was a parting of ways, and it stung at the time, but... If you're Albert Pujols and you leave a place that adores you and that you've had all of this success and then you go to a place with a fan base that isn't as rabid and you don't have the same amount of success, that always is going to be in the back of your mind wondering what if or wondering about the state of that relationship. So for him to have that moment, return to St. Louis and have St. Louis go crazy for him, him to hit that home run, it was a really beautiful chapter in his career.
1: And you and I. We're having a discussion during the break, and there's two parts of this that I want to get to. Number one, I don't think that he and Mike Matheny necessarily would have meshed well as player-manager because we know that Tony let Albert do a lot, get away with a lot, in terms of not paying any attention to the third-base coach, and he always wanted to play. But when when Albert wanted to play, come off the DL, he told Tony he was ready. He was in the game. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think that that would have necessarily happened with Mike. And then the other part of this, Michelle, is, and we're going to talk about our social media in a moment, but he never really, Twitter came around in 2009. Can you imagine Albert performing the way he has for the last three or four years and having the injuries and as vitriolic as Cardinal Nation can be on social media, how that would have gone over? Not well. No.
2: No. And and that's why, like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty and you can look back on the path that led you to this moment and, and with a different set of lenses. But As much as I would have loved to have him here and to be collecting all of these accolades and have St. Louis consistently celebrate that, quote, second stage of his career under that second contract, I also do think that it's, it's kind of a blessing in disguise that the Cardinals' potential lack of success that could have come from that major contract that he, while he was the celebrated figure and he was the hero for so long, could have been a villain in any way. You that got, that would have been yeah. terrible.
1: They got the two thousand thirteen NLCS MVP out of him. They they might not make the two thousand thirteen World Series if Michael Walk is not on the team. And that was a product of that signing. And they got Stephen Piscotti out of that signing. And the Cardinals would disagree, but this is, again is their take. I don't think that if Albert's making twenty one million a year that they can sign both Wainwright and Molina long term. I think they lo- have to lose one of those guys.
2: Wow. It's crazy to think about. You know, you mentioned Tony La Russa and his handling of Albert Pujols. Obviously, the last dance and Jordan and Phil mm-hmm. Jackson in the 90s Bulls are omnipresent in my mind because we just watched it last night, but You know, consistently throughout this documentary, we know what an amazing leader and coach Phil Jackson was. But just knowing, like getting tangible, concrete examples of him in this documentary and the way that he handled his players and kind of the absence of his ego and knowing when these players needed a break and allowing them certain things that a lot of coaches today might want to micromanage or control. The way Phil did that, you know, last night, Michael Jordan's talked about the fact that that Phil knows that they need a break and he's letting them golf and do their thing. I wonder if Albert had chosen to stay, if they would have gone with Matheny as the manager. Because I don't know if you could have had those, the way that Matheny wanted to manage the team and ended up managing the team, and a force like Albert Pujols, how they would have existed together.
1: It would have been interesting. Mike got the job before Albert departed, I believe, and... I don't know if they knew that Albert wasn't going to be back, but that would have been an interesting dynamic. And you really, you have to think long term. You you just can't choose, even though it's an iconic player, mm-hmm. from a management perspective, you can't choose your manager based on a player. And the worst thing a manager can do is treat all the players the same. doesn't matter. What level, high school, college, the pros, the great coaches never treat all of their players the same because there are different buttons to push Mm -hmm. for Randy than there are for Michelle. And that's the same way it is with the Cardinals. Some people need to be treated with kind of kid gloves and other ones need to be pushed really hard.
2: Another thing about the last dance that had me thinking about the Cardinals, two things in fact, and I know we're going to talk to Dan McLaughlin later in the 9 o'clock hour. This is something I wanted to discuss with him. You know you talk about Michael Jordan's competitive level and we're seeing that on display every mm-hmm. Sunday just whether it's flipping coins with the security guards at United Center or golfing it's he never turned it off and when we talk about those Cardinals teams Albert had that, Yachty has that, Tony LaRusa has that. How they are so competitive at all times, it just exists within them. And the fact that you can ask them about a game or a practice that happened 15 years ago and their recall of that moment, the way that they can describe that moment because it was part of their competitive nature, is so amazing to me. And watching that team brought back a lot of memories of hearing Tony LaRusa describe games and watching Albert be so great and so competitive.
1: And it's interesting, we were talking to somebody last week, a uh, former coach, and they all remember the losses more than the wins. And that's why people get out of it, is because they, you know, DV always said that, that one of the reasons that he left is because he remembered the losses, the, the, he took the losses harder than he enjoyed the wins. And I'm sure that that's the way it was with those Bulls. I'll bet you all of those guys, for the 72-win team, they remember every single one of those 10 losses. Wow. And that's that Tony is definitely that way. And I have to believe Albert is that way too. Wouldn't you think?
2: Probably. Probably eats at them.
1: Yeah. Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. We want you to follow us on Twitter. And by the way, you can follow the entire station, and all of the, the uh, shows are going to be consolidated into the 101 ESPN page. And you can follow Michelle on Twitter and Instagram
2: at M Smallman.
1: For both. And I'm at Randy Carricker, RJ Carricker on Instagram, and Randy Carricker on the Twitter machine.
2: Give us a follow.
1: Yeah. And uh, (laughs) we'll have a lot of show material on there. And obviously, you can always use the mic drop feature and you can always uh, send us a text too. We love hearing from you and we're glad that you're with us here on 101 ESPN. It's Carricker and Smallman. And that was today's big thing. Coming up, guess what's back? You're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. This is always a fun segment. It's great to have Michelle Smallman with Randy Carriker. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and I always enjoyed this with The Bernie Show, and I'm looking forward to this being a part of our show every single day.
2: Me too, Randy. I know we promised that this segment would be fun and that our show would be fun, but I do have some unfortunate and sad news to pass along at the top of the segment. Barry Jackson, he uh, worked for the Miami Herald. He cover he works for the Miami Herald. He covers South Florida sports, has tweeted and reported that Dolphins Hall of Fame coach Don Shula passed away this morning at the mm-hmm. age of 90. One of his children confirmed that to Barry Jackson. Well,
1: first of all, thoughts and prayers, good run. Uh, second of all, all due respect to Bill Belichick, but Shula was the quintessential great head coach. He took the NFL from the Stone Age winning Super Bowls with Jim Kick and uh, Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris and Bob Greasy throwing seven passes in a Super Bowl game to the space age. Stone age to space age. He changed the game. He has more wins than anybody in the history of the game. He went to Super Bowls with three different, well, four different quarterbacks, if you want to include his time in Baltimore with the Colts. So he went with Unitas, And Earl Morrill. And then he went with Greasy. And then he went with David Woodley. And then he went with Dan Marino, obviously. Has more wins, as I mentioned, than anybody. And I would argue is the greatest NFL coach of all time. All due respect to Belichick and Vince Lombardi and George Hallis and some of the others. But, hey, if you're going to base it on winning, he's number one.
2: Some of my... Greatest moments growing up were watching the Miami Dolphins and Dan Marino and those Don Chula teams with my dad. I became a sports fan because of mm-hmm. Dan Marino and Chula and those teams. So obviously very sad news, but I, I choose to in this moment thank him for giving so many sports fans those magical moments because he was kind of the architect behind a lot of that.
1: And he did – After his coaching days, open up a chain of famed steakhouses, Shula's Steakhouse down in Florida, and had one here in St. Louis for a while, 3.47, and on opening night, I was there and had a chance to sit right across the table from Don Shula. Had a great night. We have uh, pictures, but uh, he couldn't have been nicer that night, telling great stories about the Dolphins' days. Just a great gentleman.
2: Well, rest in peace, Don Shula. All right, Randy, let's you know, lighten things up a little bit. Got it. So a lot of people are sitting at home. You know, the gyms are closed. They're feeling lethargic, maybe a little lazy. You're not working out. Well, don't worry, because I have something that's going to make you feel better. So Tiger Woods did uh, a digital segment with Golf TV where he was answering questions from fans. And a fan asked him kind of a uh, to look back on his career. And he gave an answer that might apply to us during quarantine.
1: If you had one thing you could go back in time and tell your younger self, what would it be? Yeah, not to run so much. Running over 30 miles a week for probably my first five, six years on tour. Pretty much destroyed my body and my knees.
2: So you know what? If you're feeling lazy, don't. Tiger Woods is saying (laughs) it destroyed his body, and he would tell his younger self to not work out.
1: He was running 30 miles a week. I haven't run 30 miles in my life. In a week? Ever. (laughs) Combined.
2: No, come on.
1: 30 miles is a long ways. I'm telling you, I have not run a marathon in my life combined.
2: Not even in grade school or high so school when you're competing in gym. We
1: used to have that presidential ph- physical fitness test yeah. with the 600 yards.
2: I couldn't do that. <laughs> Stop. Come on. I'm certainly
1: not doing 30 miles a week.
2: How, How, I, what's the longest distance you think you could run right now?
1: I could probably do a quarter mile. You know what, though? If I worked hard at it, because I am going to join you in a 5K yes. at some point, I, could, I can work myself up to a 5K
2: you. should you. do one of those apps, Randy, Couch to 5K. They have these apps that take you through it, it. whatever your goal is, whether it's a month, three months, whatever, and it's an app that tracks your progress, and it's in your ears, so you're listening to music, and it'll say, walk, run. It tells you what to do. Okay. It builds you up to that.
1: I'll give that a shot. So that's your task. Okay. By the way, Tiger says running. He was uh, running in boots. He was training with Navy SEALs, and he, he was running in these crazy Navy SEAL work boots. So It might have been different if he just would have been wearing sneakers, but he was pounding his body into dust with not only the way he did that, but the Navy SEAL workouts that he did. And it's too bad that he feels now that that's what messed up his body because his coach Hank Ainey was telling him, hey, Tiger, that's messing up your body.
2: But, you know, we talk about competitive drive and wanting to push yourself as far as you can possibly go. And when you are great at what you do, you feel like you can push yourself in any realm of life. And
1: it's going to make you better.
2: And it's going to make you better. And that you know what your body right. is telling you and what's going to make you better.
1: His body was buff. Super buff. He was he was put together when, <laughs> back in the day, back in the 2000s when a lot of baseball players were put together.
2: <laughs> Want to elaborate? No. Nope. no? Okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, next topic, Randy, you know how... Fans don't take to uniform changes lightly. People do not like to see their logo, their team switch it up. No. Nope. Well, how about the Boston Red Sox, who have an iconic and very classic look? They were talking about that they're looking at different uniform changes. Their team president, Sam Kennedy, was talking to The Athletic. He says the club is exploring ways to improve its classic uniform going forward, and they want to do something other than just the Nike swoosh. And I can't imagine that people in Boston would take to a new look Boston Red Sox uniform.
1: No. The First of all, they do... They've worn, the, like the spring training uniforms, they've worn the blue in the past, but they've they've pretty well stuck with the white at home and gray on the road. Unless they do it like the Cardinals have for their Saturdays, they, I would think in Boston they wouldn't want to have any baby blues, but do something classically different. They might abide. Let's, Freeze Pops is here. Freeze Pops, what do you think of this? Uh, the Red Sox changing up their jerseys a little bit. Uh, I hate it. And (laughs) it doesn't surprise me because this management group just decided one day that they were going to do a bunch of things to make us hate them. So they get rid of Mookie Betts. And now they want to change our uniforms. They want to get rid of all of our good players. So go ahead. Just do it. My my football team sucks. My baseball team is going to look stupid and suck. So uh, yeah, I'm just going to root for a bunch of crappy teams now, guys. <laughs> By the way, the red Texas Rangers uniforms are a ripoff of the Red Sox. That's how classic the Red Sox are. That and there are a few. The Royals are a ripoff of the Dodgers, and the the blue uh, Texas ones are ripoffs of the Dodgers. If if other teams are ripping off your jersey, it's a pretty good jersey, and you can stick with it.
2: Especially baseball, which is literally th- it, you thrive in baseball on nostalgia and on history and on classic. I mean, we have we talk about baseball purists; they exist in the uniform realm too. Yeah. And the Red Sox are one of those iconic. I mean, they still have. Fenway Park. You know, I mean, you can't mess with history. You can't mess with something that's classic and that's working for you. These are
1: the jerseys that Babe Ruth wore.
2: Yeah, you can't (laughs) do that. But, I mean, when you think about classic baseball uniforms that you wouldn't want touched, you've got the Yankees, you certainly got the Cardinals to an extent in there. Obviously, the birds on the bat is classic. The Red Sox are in that conversation. Yeah,
1: there's only four. It's the Cardinals, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Dodgers.
2: Those are the only four. I agree. All right, well moving on, Randy. You were on the fast lane for a long time with Chris Ranji. what, 3 plus years? Yes. How much of that time do you think you spent talking about Mitchell Trubisky?
1: Oh, over the last year especially, I would say 20%?
2: 20% is a, Pretty, is a big well, Okay, chunk. let me.
1: How about 40% of our football conversation?
2: Okay, I'll great. do that. And um Excuse me, I'm remiss in asking this. Did you guys land on Mitchell Trubisky or Mitch Trubisky? Which- uh,
1: because he performed poorly, it wound up being Mitch. Okay. I bought, uh, last year in Chicago, I bought Ronja a shirt that says, Mitch, please. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice, Randy. Pretty good. Well, he's not going to really have to worry about it because the Bears declined the fifth year option on Trubisky.
1: Oh, he'll uh, he'll have a year that, uh, he'll frustrate everybody because he'll have a year that they'll say, okay, we want to sign him to a big contract.
2: Oh, you think so?
1: And then they'll give him the, the Jared Goff contract, and then he'll suck again.
2: You think that it's not, hey, the end of the road is near. We see the writing on the wall.
1: He, they were 12-4, and four and he was good the year before. And in fact, they win a playoff game if it's not for Cody Parkey. He just, last year, he didn't have any weapons. Obviously, they struggled. He struggled a little bit, but he hasn't been bad the whole time. He just, he had one off year. I think they're the Bears. I think they keep him around. They're going to be one of those franchises that tries to justify trading up for the second pick in the draft.
2: Probably. Well, uh, to close this out, Randy, some other quarterback news. The Cowboys and Andy Dalton agree on a one-year deal. A lot of people thought he would end up in New England. heads, Heads to Dallas.
1: I don't understand why New England wouldn't have been more aggressive. Obviously, they love Jared Stidham for some reason. But... I think Andy Dalton can still play, and I think that's a great move for the Cowboys. And maybe Dalton just wanted to go home. I think he's from Texas. He played at TCU, which is right near their stadium in Dallas. So maybe it was just a case of him wanting to be there. And they're protected now if they don't have Dak. Andy Dalton is a really nice, maybe the best insurance policy at quarterback in the whole league.
2: You mentioned him being from Texas, he currently lives in Dallas, and he doesn't have to move his family, potentially even in an offseason during a pandemic. So that, I'm sure, was attractive to him. But I want when I think about Dalton and I think about the fact that the Patriots are very, very dug in on Stidham, I I wonder how much of... Listen, I don't want to say Belichick's legacy because his legacy is cemented. But if the Stidham thing doesn't work out... You know, Brady... And Belichick both have kind of stock in this whose percentage of, of success was greater in the Patriots' dynasty. It seems like Tom Brady and Tampa Bay are in a much better situation than Belichick currently in New England. Yes. And I just wonder if Brady has any level of success and Stidham does not play out, how much that will impact these discussions or debates moving forward.
1: It will be huge because the Belichick backers always say, well, Bill Parcells never won a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick. Well... If we get to that point, we'll say, well, Bill Belichick never won a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. Yep. And that's just going to be part and parcel of what, the, what his legacy is, is that, yeah, he was pretty good. He, he was able to get to a playoff with Vinny Testaverdi, but if he doesn't win Super Bowls without Tom Brady, then that's going to be part of his legacy, no doubt about it.
2: So you think more pressure on Belichick than Brady?
1: I think 100% more. Me too. Well-deserved pressure, too. That's Michelle, I'm Randy, and that's You're Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Dan McLaughlin is going to be with us every Monday. And, of course, Dan is going to be with you every day from 10 to 11 here on 101 ESPN. But we're going to spend a couple of segments talking to Danny Mac about his new show, about Albert Pujols' day, and more. That's next here on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin is here. Before we get to Danny, the Dolphins have issued this release in regards to the passing of Don Shula. It says, Don Shula was the patriarch of the Miami Dolphins for 50 years. He brought the winning edge to our franchise and put the Dolphins and the city of Miami in the national sports scene. Our deepest thoughts and prayers go out to Mary Ann, along with his children, Dave, Donna, Sharon, Ann, and Mike. Dan McLaughlin in studio, Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker and. You two literally grew up with Don Shula being
0: the king of the NFL. For sure, uh, from my point of view. I mean, he was the greatest coach going at that point. And then he got Marino, and then you saw just an explosion of what they did offensively. And it was fun to watch the evolution of what he was able to do with Dan Marino uh, and, and had just winning teams wherever he went. So, I, I yeah, I'm with you there. Also, I like his uh, steakhouses, too. Yeah.
1: He had, remember when he had one I here did. for like uh, six months or so? It was yeah. called 347. That's the number of wins that he had. And it was uh, the Don Jules 347 Steakhouse.
0: I, uh yeah i mean it's i miss a lot of things right now by the way yeah me too i miss steakhouses steakhouses. i I miss i don't know if i miss the nfl because i just am pained by it yeah but i'm gonna watch it if it was there oh i'd be watching so i you know let's let's just be honest about it um miss a lot of baseball you know miss uh miss a lot of things but i'm glad to be here so let's let it rip fired up to have you here
2: we all miss baseball, Dan, but I, I want to do kind of a confidence check with you. Yeah. You know, you talk to a lot of people. So where are you at on, on the confidence scale that we will get baseball back, quote, relatively soon?
0: Yeah, I'm going to talk about it on the show, but um, I- I'm I'm a firm believer that we will have baseball. Now, what is it going to look like? I'm not so sure. Um, I love the idea idea of the three divisions of having 10 teams and regionalized and that kind of thing. I even think going forward, I like that in a quote-unquote normal season. Uh, Obviously, that would have to be collectively bargained, but I do like that idea. I do think that – well, I look at it this way, Michelle. I go back to end of March, early April – I have been, from day one, very positive in saying we are going to have sports, but if you go back to a month ago, which seems like 10 years ago, think about where we're going to be a month from now, and then a month from that, and that's July, and we've got to get sports back. I I, I just, I think we're finding that sports is so important to uh, not only what we're doing in our city, but just the American psyche of having something to look forward to. Now, the biggest thing is testing. we got to have testing. Testing can't come at the expense of the people on the front line. But I've even had some people say to me, is testing in sports more important? Not to say, I need to rephrase it, more important. Well, let me just say it this way. Is it more important for them to have testing in sports ahead of the general public? And I don't think you can do that. The optics would be terrible. But... If there is a way that you can have testing for these players and to keep them safe and to keep the traveling parties safe, you've got to do it. you got to get it going. We've got to get the economy going again, and sports is a big way to do it. I really believe that. In one of Jeff Passon's pieces, he wrote about a
1: soccer team, a European soccer team, that financed I saw five that. tests for every single
0: test that one of their players got. That's a smart way for sports to go about this. I agree. Um, and that cures some of the optics and the problems that you may have. Because we have to remember that we love sports. This is how we make our living. This is what we do. We talk about it 24-7. There are people out there, I don't know many of them, that don't talk about sports. They may not even like sports. They like the arts. They like something else that has... Pshaw. I know that's not you, Randy. Um <laughs> that's definitely not you. No. But there are people that, you know, will say I I don't care if sports comes back, it hasn't made a dent in my life one bit. Me personally, it's made a huge dent in my life, my mm-hmm. personal life of what I love to do, my uh, my living, all those things. So, I do believe though and we're seeing it with like the last dance. How many people are just seeing something that brings them to sports, even the casual fan they love it they want to see it they want to be entertained and and i think that's something that we all miss okay two things number one i have been to paul i've i've been to paul
1: symphony hall 3 times once as a for a field trip when i was like in third grade <laughs> you probably went in kicking and screaming i did but then there was another time where they played with a was it, was it after prince that died cool.
0: it was awesome that's yeah. amazing. It was great. the guy was terrific they brought him in from vegas that's the best halftime super bowl ever in my mind, it was really good. That was pretty good. Yeah, when the yeah. rain was coming, he's doing purple rain. I yeah, like that, that part. But fantastic. anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: I'm partial to the one with Aerosmith, Britney Spears, and NSYNC. But we'll keep okay. it moving. And the
1: absolute worst was "You <laughs> It was the worst. And then, uh, it, because that was the halftime of Super Bowl Thirty Six. I know there was nothing good oh, about got that. It, okay. Got it. And then uh, I also went. They did a Frank Sinatra. Uh, where they, the the Symphony cool uh, Orchestra played with a Sinatra imitator. So that was cool, too. So I, there, there has been a modicum of culture in my life.
0: Anything else? That I've been to Paul Symphony Hall for? No, just any other culture. Oh, it, Gilligan's Island. And food. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Plenty I, of culinary, uh, I'm sure, expertise coming from the Carriker household. Actually, one thing that has happened in the
1: last five, well, since the Rams left, we have become... Muni season ticket holders. Really? I go to the, every Muni show now. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Sometimes. So, <laughs> see, they, they, they start the shows when it gets dark.
0: Yeah. And it's usually very comfortable. At that time, you, I mean, that's so, the one thing about yeah. the Muni, when it's hot. I, oh, oh, man, my goodness. you're cooking in there <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Even yes. then they have the
2: fans going. Randy, what's your favorite Muni show you've ever seen now that we're here?
1: I really enjoyed um, Monty Python with the Spam a lot. That, that was terrific. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, that was funny. I saw that. It's funny. Yeah. They actually did a really good job of Mary Poppins
0: at uh, at the Muni. That wouldn't. Uh, I got to be honest. That's probably not going to really <laughs> get me going. And then they the Buddy Holly story a few years ago was good. I would like that because of the music. Yeah. All right, True. I'm in. Yeah. So yeah. I they're, mean, there's some good ones. You got to If you're gonna do it, you're just gonna you're gonna have to appeal to me because this is all about me. Not uh, necessarily I, me going to the totally. Muni. The Muni's going to have to appeal to me, yeah. which I'm sure they're guy? really worried about. What's Are happened?
2: you a theater guy, Dan?
0: Yeah, when I'm in New York, I go all the time. Really? I love it. Oh, yeah. Go to that TKTS
1: place where you get the half-price tickets right at the end of Times Square.
0: Yep. It's great. Well, you just go down to the the hotel and you you go see the concierge and you say, okay, give me something that's really cool that's going on. You know, give me some culture. And so the guy says, okay, we have Mary Poppins. No. (laughs) Okay, but we do have, um, you know, like the Billy Joel one or... Uh, there was Aida, which was the uh, yep. Elton John one. I loved it. That was I great. thought it was awesome. So, have
1: you seen Hamilton on Broadway yet? I haven't. I, I really want to get, do get it. to New York. You have to because Michelle's seen it. I've seen it a couple times. It really is. It's the best piece of art that I've ever seen. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, I want to see it. I um, I miss that too. I miss an off day in a neat city. Yeah. You know that, that kind of stuff. But we're going to get back to it. It's going to happen, and it's all going to explode at one time, and I can't wait for no, when it happens. It'll be good for us.
2: Dan, you mentioned the last dance and how America's really rallying around the last yeah. dance. Randy and I talked about it uh, earlier this morning. And when I'm watching the last dance and I'm watching Michael Jordan and his greatness and his competitiveness, I think a lot about Albert Pujols and about Tony La Russa, Just the way that he had that gear that was on all the time and could take it to another level. Yes, And I was texting... In a good way. In a great way. And I was texting with someone last night... It's not like
0: having Aaron Hernandez on your team. (laughs) Randy, let her finish, please. Thank you.
2: You know, I forgot about the Hernandez stuff, Randy. That was
0: a good uh, Netflix. That was really good. Really good. good. We digress. We
2: digress. But for people in quarantine, if you need something to watch, cue up the Aaron Hernandez doc. But I was thinking about what in my mind in my lifetime as a cardinals fan if there was a mount rushmore of competitive cardinals i could rattle four to ten off the top of my head but even just la Russa, pool holes yadi i mean the list goes chris on chris carpenter and on. chris carpenter i mean the fact that we've had so many of those guys with that quote killer instinct yeah is amazing
0: yeah i i'm um, i'm gonna get into the pool holes thing um ricky horton is going to be one of my guests coming up next hour and I found it really interesting. Did you guys see the story about Albert over the weekend? Mm-hmm. And I just threw this at uh, Ricky. I said, "Ricky, I'm going to give you. Uh, you know, I'm going to do this with him and, and try to get him in. You know, a little bit of trouble." But I, I said, "Have you thought about Albert saying he's not going to retire? The DH is in the National League, and you bring <laughs> oh, to us. Oh. Might as well, you know, we're doing talk radio. You can have a little fun with yeah. it. And um, I would love to see that, man. That would be kind of cool. I." I was thinking about, I was listening to you guys of my favorite moments, and I'm assuming you were going to ask me at some point about that. But if not, I'm going to go ahead and ask myself yeah, the question. No, we were going to um, ask you. I would say the three-home run game at Wrigley. hit had five hits, and he, that was pretty cool. That's the
1: game that's on MLB Network now.
0: The Houston uh, Astros home run that just shocked everybody. Mm-hmm. And then the, the great camera work of seeing the Astros – in their in their <laughs> dugout and guys are like are you kidding me he did it and that was great yeah. and andy pettit oh my god yeah. yeah and i think to to i think back to last uh, last year i that was an emotional weekend for a lot of people and and i i just think that it, it really if there were any bad feelings on either side those have been time has kind of erased those It's subsided and it was more of a celebration of his career in st louis so I, that was probably my favorite home run that I saw him hit. It was amazing. I don't know if you
1: heard me say, but uh, at his basketball game here, the uh, All-Star Charity Basketball Game in January, he told me that was the greatest thing in his career. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Wow. And That's that pretty cool. For I mean, all the stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think back to when he had hit number 2,000, um, and that was against, uh, ironically enough, against the Cubs – You know, and just just the history of of how he always came to the ballpark, prepared to play, but then on the biggest stage and the biggest moments and the biggest pressure, as it pertains to Jordan um, and Albert and some of those guys that are are just great performers, they find a way to slow down the moment and perform. And there's very few guys that can do that. And that's the one thing I've taken away. If I'm a pro athlete watching the documentary right now, and a lot of these guys that are pro athletes now – They maybe didn't understand the greatness of Jordan. They were kids. And now you go back and watch it. How does that not motivate you to say, that's how it's done? I was going to do this for next segment, but I'll do it now, and then we'll just
1: have a shorter crossover. Do you two think that this documentary, especially because LeBron is not playing now, is kind of tilting the LeBron versus Michael debate in Michael's favor because we're seeing the greatness of Jordan and we know that LeBron's one two and Michael's one six, but now we're seeing how physically dominant, LeBron's the most physically dominant specimen ever. But Michael, with his abilities, is he, he was a, a guy that could take over, as they said last night, the alpha among all the alphas on the dream team. I think, at least in my mind, this is kind of separating Michael from LeBron a little bit.
2: A little bit, but it's recency bias, right? Yep. Either way, whether it's the LeBron fans or the fact that we're watching this documentary right now. But I read uh, in The Athletic when they were talking to the director, I think it was Richard Deitch who did it, about the road that it took to get this documentary made. And they had this footage for years and years and, and they had to get Jordan's consent to do it. And he never wanted to do it. And part of the pitch to him was, hey, this is the LeBron era. These kids coming up right now watching the NBA, they don't know how great you are. Yeah. They're wearing they're looking at Jordan as a shoe that they wear for fashion. And it's time to tell them who you are. And that's part of the reason that he agreed to do this. And I think when you watch him and the fact that he can He's already at an elite level and then can find another level no matter what the circumstances are. And he does it consistently over and over and over again. Yeah, I think a lot of people who may not have watched him live are watching this unfold and say, well, yeah, he was the greatest of all time.
0: The thing I've taken away is how much I forgot about the physicality of the of the league um, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and just the fact that he was getting just abused nightly from whether it be the Knicks or the Pistons or even Boston. And just they knew, don't let him score. Don't let him get a touch. Go double team him. If he comes in the lane, hammer him. And he was just, I mean, some of the the shots that they're showing of him just getting physically, I mean, destroyed, mm-hmm. you forget how physical the league was back then. Um, and that's something that has stood out to me. I agree with you, Randy, that it, when I look at LeBron, he is a physical specimen that is just unlike anything I've ever seen, and that then makes me think, wow, Jordan was great physically. I mean, he was—he could jump, he could move, he was quick, he was all those things, but my God, he was doing it maybe with a lesser body, if that's mm-hmm. something to say. I mean, he still was cut, he's still ripped, he's still a great baseball, uh, basketball player, and not a bad baseball player, but... Look at what he's going through on a nightly basis with that body as opposed to what LeBron was doing in a league that seems to be, at least in my opinion, physically way more tougher. That's what I'm seeing. Danny Mac is here,
1: Carriker and Smallman. We're going to cross it over to Scoops with Danny Mac next on 101 ESPN. Back in the day, 1380 AM was the ESPN affiliate. It was 1380 ESPN, and I worked there for a while. And my first show at 1380 ESPN was after Bernie's morning show, and it was from 10 to 11 in the morning, and I couldn't believe how fast it went. And now Danny Mac is here. Let's hope it goes
0: fast. (laughs) (laughs) Scoops
1: Scoops with Danny Mac is going to take place every morning from 10 to 11 here on 101 ESPN, and it's
0: awesome to have you to be able to hear your voice every day. I miss it. I, I, you know, it's one of the things I'm sure I'll get into with um, the show is is do I miss sports as a fan? Of course I do, just like everybody else. But I've been doing this, Randy, you know, since I've been 17, 18 years old, like you and, and Michelle. And, and so I, I miss being behind the mic. I enjoy doing it. I love interviewing people. I, I absolutely love it. And so that's one of the things I'll, I'll get into. Um, I'm very appreciative to to Tommy Mattern and John Kiowski for the opportunity. And uh, so interviews, info, um, try to make it move quickly. It's only an hour, so... I could do that in my sleep, which I enjoy, and uh, I don't look at it as like I got to fill an hour. I look at it like I don't have enough time for all the different things I want to talk about or get into, and it won't be just about um, baseball. I'm sure I'll lean towards that, and and I'm sure a lot of fans will say, that's good. I I miss baseball. I want to hear baseball, but I want to get into other sports, too, and I've got some opinions. I'm not going to be some guy yelling and screaming. Just info. I, I like doing that. I like giving info to people. and and informed opinions there are going to be some mornings where michelle and i are going to be doing interviews in our sleep there probably are
2: (laughs) without a doubt here's
0: the beauty though with randy because i used to do some morning drive with randy back in the day and and if you were producing for randy and you guys should hold him to this randy many times would show up with donuts or coffee or maybe bacon and eggs, or he's a, a very good baker, so I think maybe it's incumbent on Randy to make sure he provides uh, the food and and make sure that he provides something that, let, let's just say it, it makes sure that you know that he cares about you. So that means Krispy Kremes, Dunkin' Donuts, whatever the case well, may be.
1: Dan, I'll do respect to those. It's but, about you caring for your yeah. co-workers, Randy. <laughs> and, and trust me, they will be taken care of, but you and I both have a partnership with the best bakery in town, Schnucks Stores. That's where you got to go. Absolutely. So that's where
0: the donuts and the bagels and uh, the other terrific baked items will come from. It is funny in a way. Not, I try to take positives out of things, but people are like, dude, I hear you more in Schnooks than I have in the last year on television. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, but I am proud to, be associated with Dave Peacock and Schnooks, and to voice those things and work on the TV spots. Um, we did a lot of things, especially when things had initially hit with the virus. Of uh, Dave reaching out to me to try to get local celebrities to wish his workers well. Mm-hmm. It was not going out to the public, and it was just an internal use, just to kind of make sure they know they're being appreciated. It was amazing how many of the athletes I contacted or local celebrities stepped up to to give a nice message because. They are on the front line, and yeah. every single mm-hmm. day, people coming through those stores. So God bless them. The work they've done is it's amazing. Incredible. They've been leaders in the community.
1: They have. And, and it's great to have a great St. Louis institution like that, that Michelle and uh, Colin Surrey and Freeze Pops, you'll get donuts from. Yeah.
2: And thank you for holding Randy accountable for that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I want him to carry on that tradition. I know as a former producer of the Fastlane, he brought in baked goods quite often. But, Dan, I have to tell you, I'm a little concerned because while Randy and I are very lucky to have this opportunity, you can't meet two people who are less of morning people than Randy and I are. (laughs) So, you know, day one in the book's good, but a month from now, getting up this early might not look so good for Randy Well, that's what
0: I said to Randy during the break. Um, You had walked out of the studio and um, Randy said, I had no problems getting up this morning I said I'll check back in with you on Thursday. (laughs) It'll catch up, but it's you know what. uh, Once you get into a routine, I I think it just you get used to it. Exactly. You know it is what it is. We're looking forward to the
1: show. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks to Freeze Pops, great job, sir. Thank you, Randy, and Colin Suri running the board. Michelle, great first day. Thank you.
2: Yeah, this was fun, Randy. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: Tomorrow morning, seven to ten here on One Hundred and One ESPN. Carricker and Smallman. Danny Mac scoops with Danny Mac next on 101 ESPN.